What would it be like to wander the sculptor's regard, dwarfed by beings, beasts, and bards? What would it be like to wander the wonders of old, before everything crumbled like bone, and everything under the stars went amiss, and everything over them slowly to myth, and constellations abandoned and no longer rendered in stone, bequeathed their great sky to the glow of the phone? What would it be like to be lost in the great before, and to wander the theory of forms? That was wonderful, Anne. It's a lot of questions, I know. It was. What would it be like? What would it be like? Well, we're about to uh, to try and describe what it what it would be like, or maybe more accurately, what it will be like mm-hmm. in the solo scene, because today we are going to be inventing our own seven wonders for our utopian future that are kind of like parallels to the seven ancient wonders, which I think we both have a lot of romance for and a lot of fascination. Certainly. I always like these episodes or these brain exercises, you could say, of just inventing things out of nowhere, because when do we get to invent things anymore? That's what this whole podcast was supposed to be for, Alicia. I know, I know. We just said, we're going to do away with science. We're going to do away with practicality. Logic. With logic and all all forms of reason. And we're just coming up with seven true, true wonders. Mm -hmm. And so that we can make it fair, we each came up with three, and we haven't collaborated or like discussed those. So I'm really hoping that we haven't Chosen three really similar ones. I hope so. And then together we came up with one, which I think we should start with. Okay. So, the first wonder of the Solacene, we're calling it the Solaceum. The Solaceum. I love the name, love the concept. Can you describe it to us? Because we each drew pictures for our wonders, and I know Aaron drew the one for this. The concept is something of a Colosseum. Solaceum, Solaceum, Colosseum. Yeah. It's this giant entertainment facility that can be used for movies movie premieres especially i thought would be really cool Mm -hmm. because something that's key to the solaceum is its placement its location in the solacene's new hollywood Mm -hmm. the solacene has kind of uh (laughs) moved past that den of degeneracy and unoriginality of current hollywood and there is a new mecca of storytelling somewhere in the alps that was the uh placement that i chose for it because well, because we watched The Sound of Music a couple mm-hmm. of weeks ago, and I just thought maybe all movies should look like this. <laughs> and I know that a big reason Hollywood is where it is is because California has such a breadth of landscapes. They can mm-hmm. do desert, they can do ocean, they can do hills, they can do mountains. Mm-hmm. And the Alps is kind of similar. Yeah, you can get the snowy parts. Exactly. The valleys, mm-hmm. the fields. The nunneries. The nunneries, there's many nunneries, at least <laughs> one. So picture this giant Colosseum Nouveau surrounded by mountains because I thought that'd be really Mm. inspiring because I thought that something that is interesting about the way that we currently watch movies or plays or concerts is that the places that they're actually at are often quite uninspiring. Very dark. Dark. Square rooms. Dingy, square, uh, corporate. Mm -hmm. So this is just pure art and it has a retractable roof. Or if Mm -hmm. you want to watch a movie in the daytime, maybe, Mm -hmm. or if it's raining and it's soundproof, so you can't hear the lovely birds and rivers flowing by when you don't want to. But Mm -hmm. if the roof's open, of course you can. Made of stone. And I thought that the interiors could be really nicely painted. You know, you see that on Renaissance theaters. Mm -hmm. It's like the the ceiling looks like the heavens. Yeah, I was thinking that as well for the Solosseum. A lot of carvings. Mm, Yes. Inside and out. From all different artists all over the world. But I was thinking this very classical theme. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. my wonders aren't all classical because I know something with the seven ancient wonders they're all pretty much in like this one area of the world mm -hmm. so I've tried to be a little bit more geographically and artistically diverse with these with these choices but I thought Soaceum, Colosseum it just makes sense I think so, so as well yeah it's very very stone columns mm -hmm. and it probably seats like 80,000 oh wow because when you think about it stadiums today sports stadiums are very impressive pieces of architecture mm -hmm. but oftentimes one thing that I don't like about them is that they seem so incongruous with their surroundings mm -hmm. so for instance all the football or soccer stadiums in Europe are dotted around these very old typically stone cities mm -hmm. but they'll be very modern and metallic so it, it doesn't really fit which is why I thought that this one could be natural natural looking yeah and I feel like a key part of the Solosseum is that it's like durable it'll be there for generations and generations whereas with football stadiums I feel like for example the Camp Nou in Barcelona it was only built how many years ago Aaron I don't know the it's exact already year. falling apart putting me on the spot so yeah, I think apart. the Solosseum would be much more durable than Camp Nou can I share my first wonder? Yeah. So speaking of decorated, you know me. I like tunnels. Okay. <laughs> so my first wonder is the Great Tunnel, like the Great Wall, Ooh. but underground. And we all each tried to invent a kind of history for it. Sure. So for me, this is in Latvia, obviously, one of the coldest countries in the world. And it was built with the intention of creating an underground network that connects the country encourages active transit or public transit because there might be some trams down there. Mm -hmm. They're very bright, a lot of skylights at times. Oh, nice. And every year there's a artist who's assigned to be in charge of the tunnel system and they redecorate it and it also kind of changes a little bit with the seasons. Okay. So that's the Great Tunnel. <laughs> the Great Tunnel of Latvia, yes. And you'd like to see an image? Sure. To try and describe it to the people. Oh, another key part you'll see on the image here is that there are restrooms because I feel like often when you're trying to traverse in the winter or in the summer, where do you go to get a drink or yeah. to use the washroom? I like so. th the way you said that just verbally for the podcast was as if it was an aside. It's like, oh, there's some restrooms too. But mm -hmm. the picture that you just handed me just has two doors in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> They're labeled restrooms. So it's like that is the wonder itself. <laughs> but it's very clearly underground there's some mm -hmm. snow and some traditional cities and i think a bridge above ground mm -hmm. some brown layers of soil yes a coffee store and two paintings on the wall that look one is kind of a an impressionistic landscape perhaps and the other is more <laughs> squiggly and modern art style i appreciate that you make it seem like it's detailed it was done with like the chunkiest markers <laughs> that we have. but yeah so it's like pretty down there it's not just a grimy tunnel like we kind of have in some cities, there's always these kind of grimy underground tunnels, like the metro here is mm. not my favorite place. And I want it to be inspiring. I want people to, oh, I'm visiting Latvia, got to go to the tunnels. Of course. And it will start out like very practical, as you can see in the image. But I think over the years, it will evolve into something a bit more cultural. Mm. And as I said, the annual artist changeover, I think will make it really interesting and perhaps there could be like a chronology. So like the first artist, they get to keep a room and then so on. Each Ooh. artist adds a room because it's a nationwide network of tunnels. And that's the wonder because it's a, it's a feat. It is a, it is a feat of engineering for sure. 
one conversation I wanted to have during this episode was about feats of engineering and science mm-hmm. versus things which are purely aesthetic, you know, and maybe not even that impressive. Like one of the more ridiculous things I found researching this for this episode was that there's a lot of people who are um, rather dismissive of the pyramids as in, well, we could do that easily. It's one of the easiest shapes to make. They're just, <laughs> they're just triangles. And I was like, you don't understand life. <laughs> and this goes along with, I was looking for, because it's not just, there aren't just seven ancient wonders, right? There's mm-hmm. seven modern wonders. There are industrial wonders. There's a lot of other wonders. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the Guinness Book of World Records. It just kept, mm-hmm. kept increasing it. The seven ancient wonders I suppose we should mention were the Colossus of Rhodes, the Hanging Gardens of Babylon, the Lighthouse of Alexandria, the Mausoleum at Halicarnassus, the Temple of Artemis at Ephesus, the Statue of Zeus at Olympia, and the Great Pyramid of Giza. And mm-hmm. obviously that's the only one still surviving. The Hanging Gardens people don't even think really existed. Mm-hmm. And two statues in there, a mausoleum and a lighthouse and a temple. So it's like only really one of them is a type of building that we would still accept as putting a lot of resources in today, that being the lighthouse. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, you needed it. But I think when you approach culture and architecture like that, you're missing the point a little bit. Yeah, I mean, if everything was just utilitarian and square, because squares are the easiest to build, and there was no ornamentation, has a bad impact on us. We were talking the other day about taste. It's like, yeah, we could all just eat nutrition paste, (laughs) but you literally just don't digest it the same as if it tastes nice because your body needs things to taste good. And it's the same with architecture and interior design and the likes, because it's like, if there was no fountains in the whole town, if there were no statues, no street art even, it's going to be a bit bland. Every city is going to look the same. There won't be any culture. True. And I think in many ways, the ancient wonders are incredible and fascinating because they don't have any immediate profit-based or like, quote-unquote, practicality reason mm-hmm. for existing they are and i hate the term but they are just beautiful mm-hmm. it's like but that's the whole point of everything yeah it's like the modern industrial wonders might be more impressive from an engineering standpoint like some that i think i i read people um, proposing were the large hadron collider and the internet and i was like really that's what inspires you the large hadron collider <laughs> i mean you can't even touch the internet and who's touched the hadron i mean i don't want to Disrespect you because you just chose a tunnel for your first one, but no. But it was—it's a pretty tunnel and a practical yeah, know, tunnel, and a cool thing. That's true. Something else with the ancient one I wanted to acknowledge is that I know that a lot of the reason that we find these so inspiring is because they have this—they have this double level of uh, impressiveness. It's like they were these great things, and also they existed so long ago that pretty much they don't exist anymore. So it's like they have been mythologized by time. Mm-hmm. And by the crumbling, most of them. Yeah. And that's that's definitely true. Like, there's no way getting around that, that we tend to find things of today less impressive than if they were a thousand years old. And that's mm-hmm. why I think um, this conversation is so appealing as well, because it's like we're doing the same thing, but instead of for the distant past, we're doing it for the kind of distant future. Mm-hmm. Anyway, my next one is called The Greenhouse at Hellas Planitia. Okay. On the, uh, on the topic of you talking about utilitarianism versus mm-hmm. decoration so i'm showing you the picture you can kind of describe it a little bit okay it looks like it's in a desert right perhaps 
and there's a lot of green swiggles inside of this not traditionally shaped dome, kind of acorn shaped dome. Or onion shaped indeed. Onion shaped and some trees outside, some little creatures on top. That's right. And these black lines on it. Yeah, that, well, that's like the greenhouse. You know, they always have like, oh, it's like yes. kind of like a cage style thing, right? Yes. And the clear parts are to be the glass. Okay. So the neat thing about this wonder is that what you described as a desert is indeed a desert, but it's not on Earth. Hellas Planitia is a plane located within the Hellas crater on Mars, which is mm. the third or, fourth, third or fourth largest impact crater in our solar system, according to Wikipedia. And the crater is 7,100 meters deep, 2,300 kilometers across, mm. so pretty huge. And I thought, we got to have something on Mars for the wonders. So this is a greenhouse because The Martian, I think, is an entertaining movie. And it's also, it's like, this one is kind of practical, but I thought let's make it beautiful as well. Mm. So what you described as the trees outside, obviously the trees aren't going to grow in the Martian soil. Mm -hmm. So they are stone sculptures of trees. It's like a stone forest cool. that they have outside the greenhouse because it's kind of like we're trying to, one, it's like, these are our souvenirs from earth. Mm -hmm. And another, it's like, this is what we're trying to create here. Mm -hmm. And what you described as little creatures are kind of little growth guardians, as I'm calling them. Okay. Or gargoyles that are designed like leaf creatures. Mm -hmm. Kind of like the Koroks from Zelda. Told me the Koroks were going to make an appearance. I should have known. So they are. And they're kind of hanging around and they are trying to protect the plants from inside, mm -hmm. which are obviously growing kind of against the will of nature. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the vision of sci-fi architecture, I think, tends to be really minimalist and utilitarian and sparse and somewhat depressing i'm thinking about like the brutalism in the dune movie that came out last year mm -hmm. but it doesn't need to be so that's why i thought if we have these sculptures around i think that's good that's yeah. that's a really beautiful idea to me this is what's called a hydroponic greenhouse mm -hmm. meaning it's a closed system 100 percent controlled by the scientists of course fast growing all the water is recycled the plants use the co2 that astronauts breathe out for photosynthesis mm -hmm. that's just I mean, yeah, you have the engineering marvel, but also it's going to be a beautiful thing. And it's in a crater, so it's like it's kind of subsumed by the earth, by the, by the Mars, I guess, a little bit, <laughs> but then poking out like, like this great onion. Mm. I feel a little <laughs> silly because one of my things was almost the exact same. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. That's what I was, I, was, I was worried about. But I was like, these are so, because mine are like pretty simple things that I would think of. Okay. And I thought you were going to go like, I mean, yours is on Mars, right. which is good. So, you can just, let's just hear it. I'll say it. It's called the Polar Biodome. Okay. <laughs> and it's a polar research community which was established to monitor climate change. Yeah. And in the solar scene, climate change will basically have halted and things will be good. Mm -hmm. So, this biodome was built somewhere along the lines as a sort of rehabilitation center for animals, a center for people <laughs> to live in as they're doing their work in the Arctic. Mm -hmm. But it's also a cultural hub. Of course it is. And it's where writers can come and stay. Sure. Filmmakers, musicians come to be inspired by the contrast of the dome. Right. In compared to the, the brutal cold outside. Where is it? To the North Pole. Okay. I know I keep saying <laughs> Arctic, course. but it's because it was originally the Arctic biodome, but then I, I decided it was at the North Pole. So here's the image. Wow. So it's like a real life snow globe, except mm -hmm. it's the opposite way around. Yes. The snow is outside the globe. 
Yeah, it's the, also self sufficient, so it doesn't require any resources to be maintained. There's the animals you can see there being rehabilitated this in the distance. This is huge. Yeah. And it looks like that's a Ferris wheel. That is a, um, not a Ferris wheel. <laughs> <laughs> that's a water wheel. Oh, for I energy. got excited there for a second. There's no, it's not like the North Pole. No, I real. thought it was. No. So is this, this building, is that where they build the toys or? <laughs> there's people who live here, people yeah. mm-hmm. and animals who live here. And there's the little place that people can come and visit. And what else about it? Oh, the design, as you can't tell from the image, is very minimal. Right. And I thought it could be inspired by like the Japanese gardens. Oh, yes. Okay. With little, you can see there's little monuments all throughout. I can see. Paying homage to the nature. Is it clear? Is it glass? Yes. It's also kind of a greenhouse sort of thing. Hmm. And... That's my I feel wonder. like it would get very sweaty. But you want a little bit of sweatiness if you have to then go outside. That's true. To the North Pole. That's true. Yeah. Lovely. Thank you. That is actually rather similar to my next one also, <laughs> <laughs> which is at the other pole. It's in, the, it's in Antarctica. Okay. So I'll just show you the picture for that one. A nice palace. Yeah, ice palace. With little igloos igloos on the side on the sides yeah and you see this big round uh, dome-like structure on the top mm-hmm. and this an observatory it's an observatory yeah this is called the argus observatory i like that name sounds like a real place right mm-hmm. because it's located in dome a dome a one thing i was really curious about and i went on a little bit of a um, rabbit hole is that what they say is the geography of antarctica because it struck me that I couldn't name a single place within Antarctica. It's true. <laughs> so yeah, this one's in Dome A, which is uh, located on the East Antarctic Ice Sheet. It is the highest ice in Antarctica, so mm-hmm. closest to the sky, which is why okay. I thought it'd be a good place for an observatory. It's true. And upon doing some research, there are several observatories on Dome A, but Look this one's going to be the biggest. Okay. It's called Dome A or Dome Argus, and it was named after the shipbuilder who built the Argo for Jason. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was kind of fitting and mythological. The building is purple and white. You didn't really describe it very well, but... Um, I'm sorry. It's mostly white stone. Mm-hmm. But so to kind of differentiate it from the landscape, I thought we could have purple kind of ridges on the stone. Mm-hmm. And that might be from purple gemstones that we, that we impress into the grooves okay. of the stone. And you also didn't mention the kind of wavy design that's on the building, right? Mm-hmm. It looks like a, like a topographical map kind of design. Yeah. And this is from what's called undulating stone walls. Okay. Kind of makes it like a wave. Ah. Yeah. So that's why I thought that would add some razzle-dazzle to the, to the flat white landscape. Love it. The other thing about Dome A is that it gets below 80 degrees Celsius every winter. Oh, my goodness. Okay. And it's one of the driest places on Earth. It only gets one to three centimeters of snow every year, mm-hmm. which makes it a good place for ice core samples, mm-hmm. as you described for your place. Mm-hmm. But mine's cooler. Um, <laughs> and the igloo residences that you pointed out yes. are because this is also a sort of getaway or like a school exchange program type thing. Like uh. budding astronomers and scientists visit this place. Mm-hmm. And I think the cold is good for them. The travel is good for them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> One thing, like, I remember last year, it was like uh, when Lord was releasing her album, mm-hmm. right? She was like, I went to Antarctica 
And I was like, what? People can do that? Yeah. So, and she's not even a scientist. So I thought that would be great for scientists. Mm. And I've been really thinking lately about exchange programs for students and how good that is for people. Yeah. Even when you don't go very far, but going to Antarctica would be the coolest thing. It's true. That's what I was thinking with my polar dome is that people would go there for inspiration. So maybe if you're an artist, you go north. If you are scientist, scientist you go south. Yeah. And then we just keep dividing the world until... <laughs> until it's only dome, until it's only polar domes. Yeah. <laughs> um, the cold. The other thing is, I know you said in the solar scene there's no climate change, but the climate did change a little bit. Yeah. So maybe it gets to like minus 75 every winter, which mm -hmm. is much more manageable, of course. The reason I chose the purple is because I think icy places tend to have this bluish, purplish tinge to them anyway. Mm -hmm. You know, it gets really cold. Yeah. So that's kind of like... It's just fitting. And there's also these many turrets and towers, and it's a big kind of fortress-type building, mm -hmm. all connected, partially by igloo, but mostly by this stone building. I was inspired a little bit by Emerald City from The Wizard of Oz. Ah, uh, yes. I can see that in your drawing now. Right. The thing with your drawings, Aaron, is that often you add embellishments, and then when I mention them on the podcast, you say, no, that was just an embellishment. That wasn't actually <laughs> meant in the design. Like, oh, those purple lines... They were just for fun. No, they're in there. Everything I drew today or for this episode was has Now a I know purpose. that for the final, final boss. Sure. <laughs> okay, let's say yours. Or do you want to mention something else? <laughs> Shoot, <yay. laughs> <laughs> Okay, the organism of the week was going to be the honeybee. Because I've been thinking about honey... And how honey lasts forever. And it's the only food that like doesn't go bad. And I think that's really cool. And that's why the honeybee was going to be the organism of the week. Right. But then I got caught up in my Harry Potter book. <laughs> <laughs> that episode is turning into an intervention. <laughs> and I didn't write anything about the honeybee. So, okay. At least I forgot to the organism of the week. That's fine. She can do two next week. Okay. It's her, it's her penance. Uh, my final wonder. Here it is. Describe it to the people. Wow. This is underwater and it's yellow and it has columns. It's a rather classical design. Mm. Jellyfish are bound outside of it, as do fish and other various marine-looking amoeba. Squiggly lines on the walls. It's a type of building. I'm going to guess it is either a school or a hotel. How'd you guess that? I don't know. It's a hotel. The, the doors kind of look like hotel doors. Yeah, that was, the, that was the design. So it's very ornate and carved and everything on the outside, like the Solosium. And it has, yeah, again, a very classical design. And it was originally designed as an art installation called the Underwater Hotel. It's located near all of those kind of island nations of the Maldives because, as I was saying in the beginning, this is set after climate change has kind of happened but then been resolved. So it was installed somewhere in the 2030 to 2050 realm. Oh, wow. So like in the near future, just as an art installation saying, hey, this is kind of a monument to all these lost island nations. And now, because climate change is resolved in the solar scene, it is an operating hotel once a year. And that is intended as a fundraiser to ongoing conservation efforts of kind of rebuilding the oceans. Okay. 
Let me ask some questions. Yeah. Because I was reading recently about ice hotels mm-hmm. because th- those exist. Yeah. Typically, um, similarly to your underwater hotel, limited by seasons. Mm-hmm. They'll pray for a couple of weeks of a year or a month mm-hmm. of a year or something like that. But I'm wondering how the people breathe. You see, they're not actually going to be sleeping below the water. Okay. It's going to be underwater. They'll get down via, either they can scuba dive down. It's not actually that low below sea level. Otherwise, it'd be kind of pointless. Like mm. No one would be able to see it from the land. Like You can kind of see it. Oh, you can see days. it through the water? Yeah. Oh, uh, that's nice. And so people would either scuba down or probably just take a little submarine elevator. Mm. And then you go in the front doors and you're always in this little like glass elevator like thing but there's still water like in the hallways in the lobby and so on but then the rooms themselves there's not many of them they're very expensive expensive because they're intended (laughs) as a fundraiser yes and so you'd go down and then you could go into the rooms and there's a little like vacuum seal ah okay and then you go into your room and the room has little potholes so you can see the fish swimming by Mm -hmm. that's lovely reminds me of the life aquatic movie that's what it was inspired by and yeah, I'm sure there would be some kind of year-round like tours mm, that tours. everyone could go to. And maybe one hermit who refuses to leave. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it'd be fun if there were like fish actually swimming through it. It's Whoa. very like inspired by life aquatic, but also just by Atlantis. Yeah. Because I always, when I learned about Atlantis as a kid, I thought if this doesn't actually exist, someone will make it someday. <laughs> And so that's what I was thinking with this, finally making Atlantis. Hotels have such a romance. Mm-hmm. I've been applying for jobs recently and I really want to work in a hotel. Mm-hmm. Grand Budapest Hotel. Yeah. They just have this old worldy like, oh, I'm staying at this hotel. I'm getting my passport stamped. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not how hotels work, but suitcases, the employees with their hats. And in this case, the jellyfish swimming by outside. Yeah. That's lovely. Thank you. Do they have a kitchen? No. No, okay. I don't think so. What about um, like health and safety? Oh, no. None of that. This is the future. There's no health or safety. (laughs) (laughs) Just underwater hotels. I like you said we didn't have to be realistic. No, it's true. We don't. Thank you. I mean, I actually think mine are more realistic than yours in a way. But (laughs) my final one, I had to have a statue. You had to. And I'm thankful that you didn't because two statues would have been a little bit crowded. Even though the original seven did have two statues. Mm -hmm. So this is called this the is ocean. Two domes. This is <laughs> this is called the ocean statue of Amaterasu. Excuse the pronunciation. You wrote the word, didn't you? Okay. I this, what? <laughs> didn't you invent the word? No. I didn't know what an Amaterasu is. Amaterasu is the name of the Japanese sun goddess. At least I think it is. Uh, I was trying to do my research as much as I could about the Shinto mythology, mm-hmm. but it's complex. So I apologize to anyone listening who knows okay. more about it than I do. So it looks like a woman. It is. In a sort of pyramid-like structure floating in the water. Well, she's wearing like a robe, so I'm not very good. She's triangular, and then there's a sun protruding from her head. Yes. Kind of behind her like a halo. Exactly like that. Lovely. That's the real sun. Mm -hmm. It's the real sun. Yeah, so she's built so that the Ah. sun every morning rises because this is off the coast of Japan. So it's on the the eastern side pretty much Mm -hmm. of the world. So it's like the sun rises every morning above her head like a halo, and she's Mm -hmm. kind of bringing it. Lovely. I think that is a wonderful statue. Thank you. Can you tell me more about her? I can. So Amaterasu is one of the key Shinto figures. She's worshipped at the Ice Grand Shrine 
which is one of the holiest places in Japan. It's a big tourist and worship pilgrimage. The Japanese imperial family claims descent from her. And amongst other stories, she's in charge of Takamagahara, which is the high plane of heaven where the gods dwell. So she's a very important figure. And yeah, the sun rising over her every day, not just for Japan, but for the whole world, because that's one of the places that rises first, sorry, to Australia. But they already had a, a wonder because the Argus Observatory, I don't know if I mentioned that, but that's built by Australia. So I didn't want them to have two because it's kind of disproportionate. <laughs> she gives me Statue of Liberty vibes. There are definitely and Statue of Liberty vibes. Yeah. You said she's triangular. It's because she has this, this robe. And I wanted to capture the fact that there's this fabric and it's flowing mm -hmm. because I think statues that have fabric depicted and it's like flowing. Yeah, uh, it's really wonderful. Delicacy is, is always really fun. She's very, very big. She's made of stone. And I really like statues, but my favorite types are statues in the water, either completely submerged or poking out. Because mm -hmm. for some reason that both terrifies me and fascinates me. Mm -hmm. And there's also a movie, shout out to Jason and the Argonauts, the old fantasy sword and sandal movie. And it has a scene where Poseidon rises out of the water. Mm -hmm. And that image, as you can attest, I talk about it often. There's something about big things rising out of the water. Because it's always the idea, like an iceberg. It's like, what even is below? If this is what we see exactly. pointing out, like what's underneath? Which is just an interesting mystery. Yeah, I was wondering why we don't really build big statues of things anymore mm -hmm. and there's obviously something to be said for like the secularization of the western world mm -hmm. but when i was doing research it's like there's a lot of countries in asia that are still building huge statues really like semi-regularly like cool. the biggest one in the world it was just built i think in india a few years ago mm -hmm. um, or it might have been china but like really really big statues and really ornately designed and pretty much like i want this one to be so mm -hmm. perhaps one of those existing ones could be one of the seven wonders if it endures. Oh, I should have chosen something that already exists. That would have been fun. Mm -hmm. Next time. Yeah. I just don't know enough about the world yet. What was your favorite of the wonders? I like the spring onion looking greenhouse that I drew on Mars. Mm -hmm. Something about the white, the black, and the green. Like the green, you can see it coming through the glass, mm -hmm. which I think is really fun. And like, I think the idea of a, a stone orchard outside mm -hmm. and these stone uh, growth guardians is just... Yeah, that's probably the best thing I came up with. What about you? I like the Ocean Hotel because I love Atlantis and underwater things and fish. So I think that would be my favorite. And your favorite of the original ancient wonders? My favorite of the originals were the Temple of Artemis. Is that what it's called? Mm, yeah. I just like temples in general. I think they're very beautiful. I like the Hanging Gardens because it's like, there's this triple layer of mythology mm -hmm. with that one. It's really old. It would have been amazing. And also, we don't even know if it existed. Yeah. So that's that. Thank you all for listening. The exciting news is that next week is the new semester on Solocene. And I'm really looking forward to it. I've been doing lots of research and prep. And there'll be a zine accompanying it. And in the meantime, if you'd like to keep up to date with Aaron and I's musings, you can follow us on Instagram. Aaron has a blog, which I don't know how to get to it. It's linked in the description. <laughs> Thank you for that instruction. And yeah, we'll see you all next week. Bye.